702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Live, online. The 702 app, DSTV Channel 856, 92.7 and 106 FM. Coming up on the show today, the hostage drama at the Modern East Mine in Springs continues. We'll bring you the latest. Zandile Mafe is back in court. So is Bungan Kosi Kanile and Jub Jub. We'll get reaction to the launch of Change Starts Now. Cabinet approves Petro says 3.7 billion rand deal with Russia's Gazprom Bank. And we'll wrap up the weekend sport. All of that over the next hour. 7.02. Let's walk the talk. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Good to be with you today. Post-Cabinet briefing this morning, and we've been told that uh, the um, Petro is a 3.7 billion rand deal with Russia's Gazprom Bank has been approved by Cabinet. Now, the reason that this is interesting and that you should be aware of this is because according to the work done by Amabungani and investigations that have been conducted, the government has effectively designed a tender for a gas refinery project. And they did it in such a way that Gazprom Bank, which is Russia's sanctioned bank, was the only eligible bidder. All of the other bidders were excluded. So now it's been approved by the state. So we're going to try and understand this and why exactly it happened and what it means. So we'll bring you all of that. And then lots of court cases that we are watching today. Remember, you can uh, send me a WhatsApp voice note, 072 702 You can tweet me at Mandy Wiener. Well, let's have a look at the situation now at the Gold One Mine, the Modern East operation in Springs. The situation remains critical there. Uh, still an impasse between the company and disgruntled workers. It's day four of this standoff. So almost 100 workers were dismissed for staging an illegal strike in October. And now we have a very similar situation taking place. I'm busy watching the visuals of what's happening at the Modern East Mine on Newsroom Africa. And you can see a group of mine workers with their hard hats on, wrapped in blankets, uh, some kind of weapons in their hands. And they are... Uh, toy-toying as as a group outside of the building. Uh, we understand that some of those mine workers have now been released. So let's try and understand this with Nokokanya Mtambo, EWN reporter. Nokokanya, what is the latest that is coming out of the mine? Good afternoon, Mandy. So the last that we had checked up on the situation, we were told that it remains critical, particularly because uh, more than 400 mine workers still remain underground. Tensions had flared up last night uh, with uh, quite a number of them being assaulted by some of the other mine workers underground. And that was sparked by calls for food. They were initially trying to get mine management to send food down to the shaft. uh, And they were, in fact, even threatening, going as far as threatening to kill workers off if their demands for food and replenishments weren't answered to. There is a small group, as far as we understand, that is resurfacing. Uh, as far as we know, this is of their own accord and not so much a, a release. Uh, but that number is uncertain at the stage. And in terms of any kind of police intervention, um, any attempts to resolve the situation, where are we with that? So the mine is playing closed cards this week compared to what we had seen last week in terms of what they plan on doing and, you know, what the the tactical plan is. There are police on site. There is also an intervention by the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy. So all of those uh, entities working hand in hand, trying to figure out a plan. The mine management hasn't been forthcoming this morning about what exactly it is that they plan on doing out of fear that they might, uh, you know, just 
stoke either the mine workers down there if they got wind of what was happening, but they really didn't want to to reveal exactly how far that plan is. But they are working quite closely with the police on site to figure out how to bring them up onto the surface. But, um, you know, other than the police intervention, they really were trying to frustrate them out of the shaft. And fundamentally, at the heart of all of this, what is the disagreement? So it stems from that disagreement that we saw in October over organizing rights between AMCO and NUM. There's a closed shop agreement at the mine that allows NUM exclusive organizing rights. Uh, AMCO wanted a share of that, uh, even though NUM has, in essence, signed an agreement uh, saying that they have um, abandoned their exclusive rights to um, organize at the mine. This recent tension fled up over dismissals during that October uh, sit-in. There, were, there was a, a disciplinary hearing, a disciplinary process that was undertaken after that October sit-in and a couple of miners, uh, 74 that Tally sits at now, that were dismissed because of that. And so now they're disgruntled over that disciplinary hearing. The mine workers that are still employed at the mine want these other the 74 to be reinstated um, otherwise they, they they, they've threatened to cripple the mine. No, Kukani, I'm Tambo, EWN reporter. Thank you for that update. So let's speak now to Ziad Hassam, who's the head of legal at Gold One. Ziad, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Um, officially, as things stand at the moment, what is the status of the situation? Hi, good afternoon. Um, so um, as of this morning, um, counting those that had uh, escaped or released, um, over the past few days, there were around about 400 miners still underground. Um, in the last 30 minutes or so, um, about 300 miners have come back to surface. Um, we, we anticipate that the remainder will also be coming up to surface um, in the coming minutes, uh, but, but we will we'll confirm that um, once, um, once that has been resolved. Okay, so important developments there. It does look like an end is in sight, you think? We do think that an end is in sight. We, we certainly hope that, um, that everybody will be coming back to surface. Um, we'll, we'll do a head count just to make sure that that is the case. And what is the condition of those mine workers as they come up? Um, so at, at this stage, they're just coming up. So we, it, we're unable to comment as far as that's concerned. They'll all, they'll all have a medical screening. Um, they'll be pre- provided with some food um, and um, uh, and, and drink as well, just just to to, to, to take care of the, the, the extreme hunger and um, and dehydration. Um, those that require further medical care will be taken to, to nearby hospitals. Um, of the miners that came out yesterday, um, one had been um, severely assaulted and was taken to hospital. Um, he is um, recovering well um, from 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 the latest accounts, um, and we have had reports that at least nine. Uh, miners were assaulted um, uh, over the course of yesterday. So in particular, we'll be checking on, on their condition. And Ziad, what happens now to the disciplinary processes that were underway? Uh, look, I think those disciplinary processes had concluded and, um, and, and 73 employees were dismissed. Um, there is a likelihood that that number will increase um, once we... Once we um, uh, finalize um, the, the loose ends. Um, everything else had kind of gone on hold um, as of last week, Thursday. Uh, but we made it clear that that position won't, won't be changed um, through a sit-in or a hostage situation. Um, there, there, there is an internal appeal process that, um, 
that anybody dissatisfied with the outcome is a, is availed to. Um, and if they're still unhappy with that process, um, the, 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 the route to the CCMA remains available. Um, but, but a sit-in and a hostage situation is is not going to be, be the route to overturn those dismissals. You have had two such incidents now in the last couple of months. How do you ensure this doesn't happen again? Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, and unfortunately it's not just um, with us. It's, uh, it seems to be a worrying trend um, that started within the mining industry. Um, we will, we'll be working closely um, with, with both unions as well as with the DMR to um, to put plans in place to ensure that this sort of thing doesn't happen in the future. Um, you know, our, our short-term uh, goal in the last few days was, was to bring miners up from, from underground. But longer term, we do need to, 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 to put measures in place to ensure that there is a lasting labor peace at the mine. Ziad, thank you very much. Uh, Ziad Hassam, head of legal at Gold One, speaking to us there. So, as he says, uh, we have seen uh, hundreds of people coming up to the surface now. It looks like that um, in- entire situation, the sit in, the hostage situation, uh, is nearing an end, as he's explained there. But it is a concern, it is a trend that seems to be developing. And uh, of course, there are serious, serious safety implications. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. Quite a few court cases we are watching for you. Zandile Mafe is in court. Bongankosi Kanile. Jubjub, I see the case against him has just been postponed until next year. Uh, so we'll bring you the latest on all of that. Let's start with the alleged Parliament arsonist, Zandile Mafe, back at the Western Cape High Court today. Judge Nathan Erasmus expected to rule whether Mafe is mentally fit to stand a trial. There was a two-day inquiry into his fitness last month. Uh, Hello, Nene, EWN reporter, following this one for us. And Tutuzelo, good afternoon. Uh, has judgment been handed down there and what's been happening? Good afternoon, Mandy. Um, as you correctly put it, um, a two-day inquiry was held last month and that inquiry continues today. Um, the judgment or the ruling has not been made yet because the state and the defense have been given a chance um, to argue you know, the submissions that they made uh, late uh, when we, you know, wrapped up the, the two-day inquiry last month. So now, um, you know, they've just been given a chance to, to, to state their case, basically. And, um, you know, if there were any new developments that they wanted to add into the case before the judgment, the judge has given them that chance to do so. Okay, so where to from, from here now? Um, right now, um, we're just waiting for the state and the, 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 the defense to finish their arguments. Uh, and then the judge is expected to rule whether Mafe is fit to stand trial. And also whether on the day he allegedly said Parliament alight, um, he could appreciate his actions. Um, however, the defense, um, you know, is, 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 is disputing this report by uh, a panel of three experts that assessed Mafe um, at Fort England Psychiatric Hospital in the Eastern Cape. That panel at the time found that Mate suffers from schizophrenia uh, and that he was unable or unfit to stand trial. Mafe's um, legal representative, advocate Dalim Pofu SC, is trying to convince the court today not to make its decision based on that report of the three um, panel of experts. He's told the court that the report is defective and lacks, uh, you know, reasons how the panel came to its findings. So 
So the inquiry continues. We'll hear later whether Judge Nathan Erasmus will deem um, Zandilema fit to stand trial or not. Okay, thank you very much. And Tutuzelo Nene, EWN reporter, covering one of the cases that we're looking at today, uh, that is the alleged parliament arsonist Zandile Mafe. We are expecting judgment a bit later on whether or not he is fit to stand trial. Then two accused of murdering the activist, Loison Kochla, uh, set to appear in the Athlone Magistrate's Court again today. The two men, along with one other uh, who's due in court early next year, accused of being part of a plot to kill um, Nkokla and his wife, Nyameka Mabandla. Our reporter, Carlo Peterson, is following that story. Carlo, good afternoon to you. What's happened in court today? Good afternoon. Yes, so uh, those two suspects, um, Zianda Mblungu and Zubanzi Chulayo, made a brief appearance in court today. Um, the two of them, um, like you said, uh, along with Sukisa Chabili, are accused of uh, being part of a plot to kill Nkokla and his wife. Um, and um, it's the state's case that uh, Chabili, Mblungu and Chulayo were paid 20,000 rand each for the murder of Nkokla and Mabandla. Um, today, um, the two suspects appeared very briefly. Um, the case has now been postponed uh, until the 15th of February, where they will join uh, Chabile, um, and the three will appear together um, for, 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 for this murder case. Okay, so that's back next year then? Yes, that's correct. Excellent. Carlo, thank you very much for that uh, update there. So that's the two uh, people accused of murdering activist Liuson Kochla appearing in the Athlone Magistrates Court again today. That matter postponed to next week. Uh, then we're also watching the uh, matter of the state versus Bungan Kosi Kanyile. That's back in the Durban Regional Court today. He faces charges of incitement to commit public violence, also charges of contravention of the Disaster Management Act, all of this relating to the July unrest in KZN in 2021 remember he was seen there were videos um of him holding public gatherings calling for the release of zuma also encouraging the burning of trucks and we do know that there has finally been a conviction and sentencing for of someone uh for exactly that that happened last week and then the other case that we're watching is the case against the rapper and tv presenter molemo marohanie also known as jub jub so he appeared in the joburg magistrate's court days facing charges of rape attempted murder a Salt. Marohane handed himself over at the Brixton police station earlier this year. The magistrate uh, has dismissed a, a submission, which his defence team made last time around, trying to postpone the matter. Um, but this has now been postponed to next week. So lots of court cases. I think what's really happening now is the just the, the, the court term coming to an end. So lots of appearances, lots of postponements, and things will pick up again next year. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Hi, Mandy. You know, Mandy, what uh, those AMCO people are doing is thuggery. Why are the police not arresting those uh, 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 AMCO members? Because holding people uh, 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 hostage is a thuggery. You know, these AMCO people... They went members by force. You have to for, to join uh, AMCO by force, even if you don't want to. Good day, uh, Mandarina. It's Norman here in Pretoria. I think uh, the Minerals and Resources Minister, Guido Montage, has been charged uh, and uh, just uh, over exilas. And I think he's abusing his power 
Without understanding the strike at the coal fields, mine is already rushing for the police to be called. That is a civil strike. It's got nothing to do with politics and the police, unless they'll do a repetition as, as to what happened there in Marikana. And as for cabinet to approve that deal, when Zuma was trying to do those deals, there were problems. Now Ramaphosa is doing them. There's no problem. I think this is a BRICS ticking exercise. Thank you. A, b- a bricks ticking exercise. I like that. That's a, a good way to look at it. Listen, I, I'm very concerned about the fact that the police seem to be taking a very hands-off approach to these hostage situations at the mines because what seems to be happening is um, the UMCO members in this instance are, are holding people hostage. Uh, UMCO says it's not hostage. It's a sit-in situation. Um, but ultimately, you've got people who are being held underground for days on end. And the police are there, but they're not actually getting involved. And I understand the reluctance post Marikana, that they don't want to get involved because it will escalate very quickly and there will be bloodshed. At the same time, you cannot have anarchy. So how do you resolve this situation? Do these people get charged? Yes, they get um, dismissed and there's disciplinary processes, but are there criminal charges? And I think that's what we need to understand here because it's, it's, it's untenable to have a situation like this. 702, the Midday Report, Monday to Friday. 12 to 1 p.m. A post-cabinet briefing today, and I told you at the start of the show, one of the big headlines coming out there is the fact that uh, cabinet has approved PetroSA's 3.7 billion rand deal with Russia's Gazprom Bank. And this is important because the argument is that the government basically designed a tender for a gas refinery project in such a way that only Gazprom Bank would be the eligible bidder, the only eligible bidder. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter, joining us now. Lindsay, tell us about post-cab and what else came out. Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, first on that Gazprom um, bank issue, the minister in the presidency, Kombutsen Shaveni, defending that, saying cabinet had taken into consideration um, possible risks to South Africa, secondary sanctions, because, of course, Gazprom Bank is one of those banks uh, uh, being sanctioned because of Russia's war in Ukraine. Uh, And she um, said that South Africa was never planning to terminate its uh, membership with BRICS and that Cabinet had not been privy to these reports uh, that there had been 19 other bidders. It, It had no knowledge of these other bidders. Um, that ostensibly bid for that contract. But Mandy, um, to your question, other big uh, decisions uh, being taken by Cabinet really relate to the issues uh, that we've seen dominating the headlines, which is the freight uh, and rail issue, um, that logistics roadmap now being considered and approved for publication by Cabinet. So we should expect to see that um, being published soon for public comment and also the integrated resource um, plan, Mandy, and that for our listeners is basically the roadmap that government sets out in terms of our energy electricity needs. We have not had an IRP since 2019, if I recall, uh, and so that will set out exactly what the country's needs are and how it plans to go about achieving um, those needs and meeting the demand for those needs. So those are some of the big um, uh, picture um, and decisions taken by cabinet also approving a draft rail privatization um, framework which we should also expect to see um, for public comment very soon. Okay, so, uh, uh, I'm not sure if you know but is this the same as the, the logistics one that came out of presidency, Transnet, all of that uh, now going to uh, cabinet? This is a separate one Mandy, so the one has to do with logistics and frail and right. de- uh, freight and dealing with all those backlogs that we've seen in recent weeks. Uh, the other is how we get the private sector on board to be able to assist 
in um, and coming on board in, in terms of expanding our rail network and getting more players literally on the tracks. Um, right. And then, Mandy, also, while we talk about these um, embattled and beleaguered uh, state-owned entities, also a plan that you might recall the president spoke about extremely long time ago, and that is this SOE um, council giving rise to essentially another body um, under which all these SOCs uh, will fall uh, and to take away um, the prerogative of ministers to appoint boards for these SOEs and that this will all um, come under this SOC holding company. And finally, this bill is now mm. been given the green light by a cabinet and we expect it to be tabled in parliament really soon. Lindsay, thank you very much. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter with an update in the post-cabinet briefing. 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk. Well, let's get a quick update from Parliament now with Babalo and Denze. The Powers and Privileges uh, second EFF disciplinary hearing starting. This relates to the July and August incidents last year. Babalo, good afternoon to you. Take us through what's happened today. Yes, good afternoon, Mandy. Yes, today the second hearing into the EFF MPs starting today. Um, and these MPs or, you know, being charged with contempt of parliament for disrupting sittings in August and June of last year. These were question sessions for the president. And so they've been, you know, accused or charged improperly interfering with other members from performing their duties. Today, the evidence leader in this hearing, you know, giving opening statements as well as, you know, um, playing back video footage of those, of that specific you know, sitting on the 30th of August last year, where the president was connecting virtually, but these members disrupted this particular sitting. It was after the whole Palapala, you know, server came to light and they were disrupting the sitting, you know, because of Palapala and were eventually ejected. And now they take an issue with this ejection and even challenged this in court last week. But the matter was dismissed by the Western Cape High Court. So it continues today. And their request for the speaker to be subpoenaed, also, you know, dismissed by the court. And the matter is continuing today, Mandy, with, you know, the, the members of the EFF, that's Nazir Paulson, Ndombovio Mende, and Kanyatza pleading guilty to those charges that were put to them by the initiator. And what they are basically doing now is just going, still going through those sittings and the evidence in that sitting. The speaker won't be appearing um, now, but, you know, Parliament arguing that there's no need for the speaker to appear because the evidence before the committee is enough to charge mm. or find these members guilty. So that's where we are at the moment, Mandy. The hearings will continue until Thursday with, you know, evidence from the EFF. Well, their lawyers have also argued as well, you know, continued arguing that the, this matter, you know, is really unconstitutional or not procedural, but they will be arguing this at another application, a plan, a part B application, Mandy, which deals with, you know, the broader review of these rules and the and privileges procedures that have led to this to this hearing. Okay. Babalo, thank you very much. Babalo and Denze, EWN reporter, uh, letting us know what's happening there with the EFF disciplinary hearings in Parliament. Mandy, I personally think those who have been taking hostage by force at uh, mine, they must be able to sue the AMCO itself. Period. Nimrod, thank you, man. 
Hey, Nero, thank you very much. Yeah, as I was saying, I think the situation is untenable where you're seeing hostage situations. Amku, of course, denies that it is a hostage situation. They're saying it is a sit-in. Um, but, but, but we cannot have a situation like this. And I'm also concerned about how hands-off the police are. But then we'd be concerned if the police did get involved, we'd criticise them. And, of course, they are trying to avert any kind of bloodshed. But as we heard from um, uh, Ziada Hassam, who's the head of legal at Gold One, that it's a concerning trend that we're starting to see this in the mining industry more and more where people are being held against their will underground and it really is going to fall on Gwede Mantashe here to try and make sure that this trend is broken and it it, it it comes down to respect for the rule of law right and if there is no, no rule of law then it will continue to happen 702, 702. Mandy Wiener weekdays 12 to 1 p.m. So yesterday we saw the launch of uh, Change Start Now, the new political party with the former first round chairperson, Roger Jardine, also once upon a time was the chairperson of this media organization at uh, Prime Media. So the launch happening yesterday in uh, Rivoli and uh, it really has emerged as a, a a, a pro-constitutional, uh, pro-democracy organization. Um, and we have seen some civil society uh, organ- uh, members joining this organization as well. And Roger Jardine spoke to my colleague, Bongani Bingwa, on 702 earlier today. Have a listen to what he had to say. So firstly, we have to be, we have to be very clear. To fix the problems in South Africa, we're going to require people who know what they are doing. We're going to need the best and the brightest. Let me give you an example. 90% of South Africans' first port of call when it comes to health services is a public hospital. When you go to a public hospital in South Africa, it's a shambles. The experience there is very, very poor. To fix things like records management, procurement, uh, how you manage your available beds, etc. I'm just getting into some granular detail. But we need to tackle these problems. Uh, turning to the economy, for example, we know that the balance sheet of South Africa is stressed. There's a whole range of uh, solutions available uh, to the public sector. We have a private sector that's ready to assist, both in terms of human capital and in terms of financial capital. And that does not mean that we need to be advocating a wholesale privatization of the state. The public sector is not the private sector, but we have a problem now. And so part of fixing that is to reach out across society in what we're calling a a spirit of social solidarity, where we get the right skills at this time to fill in those gaps. There'll be no schizophrenia about how you deal with the private sector here. You cannot on one day call the private sector to assist with uh, solving problems and the next day uh, castigate the private sector. So we need to have a very clear understanding of how we're going to, first of all, intervene in the short and medium term to tapping in the best and the brightest available skills wherever they may be found. Over the long term, rebuild the state, bring in people into the public service. There are lots of really good people who are currently in the public service who are just suffering under the weight of uh, mismanagement and misgovernance, and that needs to change. So we're saying three things. We need to fix the state. We need to get parliament functioning properly once again, and citizens need to be restored to have the agency that they rightly deserve. And that's why a very strong component of what we are doing is to work with civil society. 
That's Roger Jardine speaking to my colleague Bongani Bingwa on 702 earlier today. Now, lots of questions arising over this. What kind of constituency uh, do they have? What about some of the other people like Murphy Murobe, who was a leader of the 1976 Soweto uprising, who was there yesterday? Also, um, suggestions that Mvusum Simang may be um, wooed to join. Well, Tidi Madia, EWN's Associate Politics Editor in studio, you also had a sit down with Roger Jardine this morning. What is the sense that you get from how this party is positioning itself. Absolutely. Good afternoon, Mandy. We sat down this morning and my takeaway, at least what I kept saying to him, is that we've been here before. Ahang did happen to this country where somebody with the credibility that Dr. Mampele Rampele had literally led us down a path towards nowhere where they're selling a different story. They're selling constitutionalism and really we didn't go anywhere. So I find it difficult to believe what he's selling. I think his background um, coming from the private sector is a question mark. But he did say to me, look, I understand that coming straight from where I come from, the financial sector, leaping into this space, I understand why people feel the way that they do. Um, Again, he says he also understands the cynicism. I also struggled, Mandy, with... Why is it that Roger Jardine chose to stand up now? I said to him, in 2009 already, there were people in the ANC who could see that the party was moving in a particular trajectory. Where were you during that time? And he did say, I think it was a pain to try and explain that everybody has their processes. I said to him, did you stay because you're benefiting from what the ANC was back then? And he says, everyone has their, their processes and that he agonized over what's been happening to get to where he is today. So I did try and understand the man and the vision a little bit better, yeah. So I'm interested in what you said about Hang because we've had this before with Dr. Mampela Rampele. It didn't work. But now there's a plethora of political parties that all seem to be uh, positioning themselves in the same kind of, of appeal to the electorate. So so you've got Chiluva, you've got Rise, um, you've, you've got Action SA. Um, th- there is a bunch of political parties that all seem to be... Uh, appealing to the same electorate Mm, or or section mm. of the electorate, yeah. I think one can make an argument that all these parties that we've mentioned almost kind of sort of appeal to the so-called middle class. But I think, one, that's a mistake in reading the South African populace or electorate, as you may. I think that we don't step outside of the echo chamber often enough. We are stuck in looking at the issues and the views of the middle class and what they understand of the country and its politics. Hence, the offerings are so similar. But actually, what makes this country tick is actually what's outside. Uh, A lot of people are surprised at how Ebeki Tele, who by, by and large is the face of where we are failing with crime, is received outside of of urban areas. So I think that there's an issue in the failure to understand by these parties what South Africa's electorate really truly is like, number one. Secondly, as you said, we are being offered the same thing over and over and over again. I think there's an interesting thing, uh, interesting study, or at least trend from the IUC that speaks about, I think I mentioned this to you before, in 1994, of the parties that contested, 14 made it to Parliament, and you had over 14 in 2019. Guess how many made it to Parliament? 14. So the electorate is also not necessarily taking the bite. You, they get about 2%. They're not convinced really by what's on offer. And that, for me, speaks to whether or not a leader like Roger Jardine will then be in it for the long for the long haul, because yeah. he won't get what he's looking for now. And I'm also not 110% convinced, Mandy, by his response. I do understand he says that there's a need for change, but I'm not 110% convinced about whether or not he's in it for the long haul. He does say it isn't an easy undertaking trying to change what's happening. And I think a lot of the leaders from the parties you've mentioned say the exact same thing. But Mampele, Dr. Mampele Rampele walking away the way that she did is quite telling of what happens when leaders have other choices to make. Mm.
Interesting. Uh, so Fakile Mbalula, the Secretary General of, of the <laughs> yes. ANC, um, oh, yeah. made some comments yesterday about the fact that he believes, without any evidence from what I can understand, uh, that uh, allegation that Roger Jardine and, and the change movement, what's it called? Change South Africa. Change starts change now. Starts, yeah, it's very confusing. It's very complicated. Um, that they could be bribing people like Mbusi Misimang and Murphy Mrobe to, to join. I mean, where does this come from? So... It was interesting that the, the ANC wanted media so badly to come out to Mirafong because they said they discovered something around this new movement. And that's the revelation that Figile Mbalula said. And Mandy, as you said, without any evidence being put on the table. But by and large, the leaders themselves have rejected it. Rogers rejected it. Um, Mavusam Simang has now released a video pouring water on the claims that have been made by Figile Mbalula. I think it's just an attempt and it smacks of desperation, really, on the part of of ooh, of um, Fili Balula to try and defend the ANC and what's happening, to try and also undermine the elders in the ANC. I don't know if you've noticed, there is a back and forth already happening between the veterans of the ANC who are remaining in the party. It's a very dangerous tactic for the ANC to be employing, to, to really sideline um, the the elder statesmen and the um, the senior members of the party, because that's certainly the tone or the tonality of what Fakili Mbalula is doing. And that's the problem. And they forget very much, they forget the work that these people have put into the party. Mavusa Simang, watching Dr. Mavusam Simang's be, being his history, his involvement, his his um, contributions to this democracy being undermined, being sidelined, has been quite sad to watch. And this is somebody who has been seen as a moral voice in the ANC. So it is quite telling to watch the ANC take on this victim position posture and act as if the elders who plowed the way towards where they are. Murphy Murab is a generation of the youth uprisings that ushered democracy. So to see the ANC literally spitting in its own face, in the face of its own activists and its own history is quite a travesty. Tidi Madia, EWN Associate Politics Editor, thank you for that. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on all of this. Send us a, a WhatsApp voice note. So Tutu on WhatsApp says, Hi Mandy, South Africans of all races and businesses must come together and support Roger Geraldine Jardine, and remove criminal syndicates running the country from Tutu in Dobsonville. Keep those messages coming. 702, 702. Mandy Wiener Weekdays 12 to 1 p.m. 12.47 on the Midday Report. The National Regulator for Compulsory Specifications, that's the NRCS, has announced a nationwide recall of substandard and dangerous product from all distributors and retail outlets across South Africa. Well, what is the product, you ask? Alpha Ramashwana is here to tell us. Alpha, good afternoon to you. Thanks for your time. Tell us about this recall. Good, af- good afternoon, Mandy. Um, the NRCS has recalled um, a cement product which is known as Econo Cement version 32.5. After thorough investigations by the regulator, uh, they found that the product doesn't have or doesn't meet the necessary strength requirements for building projects. And you know, this cement is used when um, uh, binding um, 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 maybe uh, bricks uh, for buildings, residential homes, um, and also roads. Um, So, they are saying that this cement is not strong enough and it poses a significant risk to you know, the many people in South Africa. Uh, it poses uh, the risk of buildings collapsing, uh, cracks forming in residential premises, and they also use it to build malls. So uh, they are afraid that uh, the building will not withstand um, an earthquake in future should that happen. So they've recalled the pro- 
product and has urged also construction companies uh, across the country to avoid building homes, uh, building roads, constructing uh, buildings with this cement as it poses a, a great risk on the structure, structural integrity uh, of buildings and roads in the country. So if anyone uh, has this product, what should they be doing with it? Um, or is it, uh, where, where would it be uh, retailed um, just so people can be aware of this? Well, if, if you've just purchased the cement, um, the regulator has um, said that you'll be given a refund. Um, so you can contact the, um, the regulator and they'll certainly direct you to what you need to do in order to get um, um, your refund. Um, you'll also... Um, uh, um, um, uh, you've also been urged to actually report uh, any hardware that is selling or these product uh, at their stores. But let's take a listen to what the acting CEO had to say. NRCS Act Number Five of 2008 to direct the manufacturer to stop the manufacturing process, say of the affected cement. The NRCS will be confiscating all stocks found in the chain of trade, calling on consumers not to buy the Econo Cement CEMV slash A 32.5N product and to report it to the NRCS. All distributors in possessions of Econo Cement CEM5N should return it to their suppliers and keep proof of such uh, inform uh, in, and, prov- and inform the NRCS via the email info at nrcs.org.za. Oh, sorry about the quality of that audio there, but there you could hear a recall of the Econo cement. So just be aware of that. 7.02, the Midday Report, Monday to Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. The Weather Service warning South Africans to be careful of flooding in several parts of the country, including the Northwest, Free State, Limpopo and Gauteng. Elizabeth Fulun, SA Weather Service forecaster, joining us. Elizabeth, good afternoon to you. Sure, from heat waves to floods, uh, what's happening out there? <laughs> well, that's rightly said, Mandy. We've literally had... Heat waves back to back now today. You'll feel it's quite a bit cooler. That started already yesterday. So, yeah, we've got quite a bit of rainfall around today. We have issued a warning for a possibility of floods over most of the eastern parts of the country. So, really, are those provinces you mentioned, Sukhating, Limpopo, and Pumalanga, especially along that escarpment and low felt area? We are expecting good amounts of rainfall there. So in Kauteng, we are also looking at a possibility of severe thunderstorm. But the main hazard associated with these is going to be that flooding. So a heavy downpour with that thunderstorm as it moves through. Temperatures nice and cool today. Johannesburg, we're only expecting a high of around 20 degrees. So nice and cool, really pleasant from what we have been experiencing the last few weeks. However, tomorrow... We are seeing those temperatures spike quite high, so not or give quite a decent increase, looking at a high of around 24 degrees tomorrow. So quite a nice jump in temperatures by Wednesday, 26, and Thursday, 25 degrees. So we're looking at a nice cool week. Possibility of thunderstorms does remain throughout the week, but only looking at around a 30% chance. So reducing it down to isolated thunderstorms. In Cape Town, a bit of a contradiction down there. So today are reaching a high of 26 in the Mother Speed. Tomorrow, temperatures dropping. 22 is only expected there as a high. And Wednesday, 21. Thursday, 20 degrees. So cool temperatures overall around the 
country, but today is the warmest in Cape Town, dropping tomorrow. Today up in Gauteng, coolest today here, but then increasing from tomorrow for the rest of the week. Elizabeth, thank you so much. As always, Elizabeth Fulion, the SA Weather Service forecaster, telling us about the, uh, the weather and those concerns of flooding in parts of the country. Sports Wrap. Sports Wrap. On 702 and Cape Talk. Mawande Mateza, EWN Sports Reporter, joining us to wrap up uh, the weekend uh, of sport. Not just the weekend, though, because we've just had uh, Louis Oosthuizen emerging victorious at the DP World Tours Alfred Dunhill Championship at Leopard Creek today in Malalan. Yes, indeed. Good afternoon, Mandy. Uh, yeah, Louis Oosthuizen ended up with a two-shot victory over Charles Schatzel in that particular tournament. Almost threatened to make it very interesting with a bogey on the uh, 17th second last hole of the, of the tournament. Um, but ended up uh, just claiming the victory over there and a 1.5 million euro prize check. Um, yeah, it started very even actually with Schwarzel and Oerstes and joint leaders uh, with, I think it was 11 holes to play this morning. Uh, and then, yeah, Oerstes and just, it was a bit of a throwback as well, seeing the two of them yeah, at their thinking, best. I was just thinking, it really yeah. is. A, it's a proper the, the, throwback. The, the, the last time Charles I... Charles Louis uh, yeah, fighting it out. Any of them getting anywhere close to a win was quite a while ago. So yeah, congratulations to Louis Oerstes and who is uh, this year's Alfred Daniel Championship winner. So the Blitzbocker, unfortunately, um, they, they just can't get it right in Cape Town. Is it just too much pressure? Um, I heard a press conference where Sandy Lingobo, the coach, was talking and he was talking about there's no curse uh, and they just don't know what happened. They just didn't end up showing up on the day, uh, losing to Australia in the quarterfinals that effectively ended their tournament. Uh, and one thing that they found out, Australia, is that uh, you have to bully the South African side, which is uh, quite a stark contrast to the to the 15-man Springbok side. Uh, but one thing that the the Springboks have is skill and flair plenty. However, they were found wanting up front. And um, yeah, they were just, they, Australia ended up getting the better of them. And the Blitzbox ended up in sixth position at that particular tournament. But also with Argentina winning, I think it's shown that uh, Sevens rugby is uh, getting stronger and stronger mm. with some of the uh, more, I, I don't want to say, no, emerging see Argentina yeah. playing Ireland in the semifinals is no, unusual. Exactly that. Yeah. And Ireland actually, it was the, they beat um, New Zealand in the quarterfinals as well. It was their first ever victory over New Zealand so that's a very very big one um, and yeah like I say the emerging nations are getting stronger and stronger in sevens and it promises to be a very well contested series this time around uh, but one thing that Sandy Lingwobo did say as well in that press conference is that he's happy with the effort that he saw from his side and he does believe that they have what it takes to go all the way and win the seven series this uh, season the Champions Cup, uh, the Stormers came very, very close, uh, yeah. but they just weren't able to to make it. Just remind everybody, what is the Champions Cup? Uh, so the Champions Cup is basically rugby's version of the Champions League, uh, as opposed to the URC, where the South African teams normally play. Now, this tournament has teams playing in the URC, as well as the French League and the League out in England as well. And the Stormers yesterday were up against Leicester, uh, who have uh, Springbok Fly Andre Pollard in their ranks, as well as Jasper Visa as the eighth man. And uh, Pollard, again, Sean Brightly are scoring 20 points in that win against the Stormers. And I think the Stormers are going to kick themselves because of the fact that they were leading at halftime and ended up putting a really good fight against the Leicester Tigers. However, uh, it, eventually it was just this experience that told. Uh, and the Stormers did not include their strongest players in the side. You didn't have Marnie Labak, you didn't have Damien Willems and others uh, playing in that particular match. And I think, well, it could have been a very different outcome if those players were included. However, 
good side of things is that it is only the first round. These are the first games and there's still a lot of rugby to be played in this particular tournament. Stormers still can get better. Only one of the South African sides to lose in this particular competition with the Bulls winning against the Saracens, which included Owen Farrell on Saturday. So yeah, mm. I think there's still some good things for South African rugby to look forward to. Um, the first T20 between South African and India washed out at Kingsmead yesterday, but we can expect yeah. more this week. Uh, yeah, a bit disappointing to see that. Uh, but yeah, once again, one of those things with Durban and the weather. Um, but yeah, we are in Quebecha tomorrow for the second T20. And again, on uh, Thursday, I think it is right here in Johannesburg. Oh, that's right. So Thursday, yeah, the looking forward to a, a very well-contested two-match series now between South Africa and India. Let's hope it doesn't rain. high <laughs> tickets. Uh, and then uh, football. Quite a lot of football taking place this weekend. Yeah, well, Liverpool are at the top of the Premier League table now after their victory over the weekend with Arsenal also dropping points and their loss to Aston Villa. Concerning times for Manchester United once again losing 3-0 to Bournemouth. Did not expect that result. And just the manner of their performance has to be concerning for their fans as well. And then yesterday we had some really good results for Manchester City winning again as well as Tottenham. Uh, But with uh, Chelsea losing again, uh, they are down to 12th position in the table. And after having spent a billion pounds in the last 18 months, uh, Maurizio Pochettino, their manager, has already spoken about going into the transfer window in January to improve their team. I don't know what else they can do because they've thrown all the money they can at the current problem and nobody can seem to fix Chelsea. Sure, I feel like we've just spoken about <laughs> everything and we've got a minute left. There what else do you want to talk about? Uh, local football. Local football. Yeah, uh, so, sundowns? Uh, uh, sundowns ended up drawing yesterday the in the pyramids Champions lost League. Us, huh? A little bit of a disappointing result because of the fact that Sundowns are normally so strong at home in this particular competition. But in the DSTV Premiership, there were wins for Kaiser Chiefs and Orlando Pirates on Saturday. I don't know when last that happened. And they're both on two match uh, winning runs at the moment What's and up to with fifth the and sixth. Kune at Chiefs? Uh, so he was suspended last week um, and stripped of the club captaincy after he allegedly arrived to training under the influence of alcohol uh, and they've put him into a personal development program uh, is what they're calling it uh, and he has to complete that program uh, before he is reinstated in the side not an ideal thing considering that he was well the club captain and a senior player and someone you expect a lot more from don't know what is happening in his personal life perhaps there is something there don't want to speculate on it however yeah it would be a little bit of a concern considering the fact that this was the season where they were grooming him for a bigger position in the club Mm. within the coaching ranks and that Uh, so yeah hopefully something comes out of that and yeah everything is fixed with Kune Mawande you've just wrapped everything (laughs) that's happened this weekend in sport into five minutes thank you for that Mawande Mateza